you would be turning back to Romans chapter 8. For those of you whom this may be your first time here, we are in the midst of a study of, uh, if I had to say which book was my favorite in the Bible, it would be the book of Romans. We're in the midst of a study in the book of Romans, and we're in chapter 8. And for those of you who are trusting in Christ, and yet struggling in the midst of life in this fallen world, I hope this sermon from God's Word will encourage you and strengthen you and help you to be more biblically heavenly minded. We are in chapter 8, and I want to read the verse we looked at last time, verse 18 down through verse 25. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Thus far God's word. Let's pray together. Lord, this is your word. Your spirit must apply your word. We can do nothing apart from you. I can only be an instrument in your hands, so I I pray that I would be that. Help me to preach your word truly and accurately and apply it and illustrate it and just work in and through the sermon, Lord. Work in our hearts with your word. Work in each heart according to what you know that heart needs, according to your will. But I pray that you would give me the power to preach your word. And give us the power to hear your word. Help us to focus on it. Help us to rouse ourselves and pay attention and have you minister to our hearts through your word. So bless the preaching. Bless the hearing of your word. Lift high your son. Draw all people to yourself. It is in the holy name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Bright light. Glory shining through the door there. (laughs) It's blinding. Home renovation is a big job, isn't it? It's fun, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Those who think so have never done it. Uh, (laughs) It has fun aspects to it. But think about this. The original home, when it was built, 
And everything was brand new. And hopefully the, the decor and everything was in keeping with proper style. It was great. Needed, it didn't need anything. It was a new home. But over time, maybe with some neglect, and certainly with the influence of decay, things tend to go from good to bad to need for renovation. And so the, the reno begins. And it gets a lot worse before it gets better. Because there's this thing called demolition that needs to take place. And you find ick and bugs and things that you would hope would never be there. But slowly, sometimes very slowly, the job gets done. And one day, you have what looks like a brand new home again. It's done. You have joy in it. You can rest in now. The, the work is done. And enjoy it. And drive everybody crazy with the pictures of it. That's just a little small picture of a much bigger renovation that's going on. The re renovation of creation and the reveal. We all love a good reveal, right? The reveal of the children of God. See, we've been studying in the book of Romans and we've seen Paul express his love to the Rome, Roman Christians and his desire to be with them. He's, he's told them uh, uh, that he, his main thesis for the book is the gospel in chapter 1, 16 and 17. And then he's began to lay that gospel out, that good news out. But that good news starts with bad news, doesn't it? See, we need to know the bad news so that then the good news makes sense. We've, we've used the illustration of a diamond being the gospel and the bad news of sin being a black cloth. And when you lay that diamond on that black cloth, all of its glory shines forth. See, Paul has told us and told the Roman Christians and through them us, we know this is God's Word, that Jew and Gentile, everyone needs a Savior. All people are born into this world lost and needing a Savior. That's true of you. I'm not peeking in your windows. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All need a Savior. None of us has kept His law in thought, word, and deed. If you would be accepted by God on the basis of your performance, you will be perfect in fulfilling all righteousness. Only ever been one. That was Jesus. But see, when we own our position that we are sinful and need a Savior, and Paul has said, Jew and Gentile are sinful, need a Savior. The law hushes our mouth so that we will look to Him for mercy and we find His Son, Jesus Christ, as that Savior and the mercy of God available to, in Him so that as we trust in Him, we are cleansed from our sin, we are clothed in His righteousness, we are justified, therefore, and adopted into the family of God. And since we started in chapter 6, we've been talking about a theology of sanctification, our relationship to God, our relationship to the law, the fact that we have the power of the Spirit. And being led by Spirit means putting the, the deeds of the body to death, the sinful deeds to death. So we've gotten a good theology of sanctification, and now we're in the midst of a section of the encouragement we need. 
Right? There's a lot of encouragement here for us that we might live for Christ in a fallen world, that we might believe Him when He says in this world you'll have trouble, but that we might also believe Him that all of that trouble has to work for us now to make us like Him. And so we look forward with hope, and that's really what this text is about. See, we started it when we looked at verse 18 and said, Paul says, I consider the sufferings of this present time not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. And we talked about that doesn't minimize our suffering. Our suffering in this world is real and very painful sometimes and hard to understand and all of that. So it doesn't minimize our suffering. But when our suffering will be placed beside the glory that is ours in Christ, then it dwarfs in comparison. So we stated that and we're going to begin opening that up as we look at this section of text this morning. I'm only going to do half the groaning this morning. Uh, we're going to look at the groaning of creation this morning and then next time we'll look at the groaning of the children of God. So we'll look at the, 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 the outside of humanity creation and its groaning this morning and then the human the, salva- the saved human, the, the child of God who has the first fruits of the Spirit. We'll look at that groaning and what that means next time. So today, groaning in glory, part one. And very simple main point, creation groans now, but soon there will be only glory. You say soon. Well, in comparison to eternity, whatever time is left, it's soon. Right? Creation groans now, but soon there will be only glory. Before I get into the text in Romans, I just wanted to say something quickly about the original creation. And I mean very quickly. But we're comparing what the creation is now to what it was and then what it's going to be. So we're living in the middle of that sandwich right now in a temporary situation. But Genesis, after we read in Genesis 1 and we we see the story of creation and we see things being good in God's creation and then we see uh, man and woman there together in the creation and God says this in verse 31, and God saw everything that He had made and behold, it was very good. And there was morning, evening and morning, the sixth day. It was very good. It was awesome, we might say. Amazing. Incredible. Extra good. Or extra good if you watch Andy Griffith. But Everything was not as it is now. It was not as it is now. It was very good. All of creation answered to God's purpose and perfectly expressed His overflowing goodness. It was perfect. It was well made. It was a result of expert craftsmanship. There was no defect. There was no thorns. There were no politicians. And there was no kale. But something happened, didn't it? Something changed that. Look at our text. The present groaning of creation after the original goodness of creation. I told you that first part was going to be fast. Rarely when a preacher says it's going to be fast, does that mean anything? But it did that time. Y'all remember that. The present groaning 
Look at verse 19, and we'll, we'll look in 19 and 20. We're going to kind of pick a little bit as we go through here to, to make it make sense. But we see creation personified here. And the reason it's personified is emphasizing the glory of our future as the children of God. Personification, right? A tool, literary tool. You see it personified. And look at verse 19. After saying that our sufferings in this present time won't be worthy to compare to the glory, now we have this four, we're connecting, we're flowing in the argument. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the Son's of God. As Paul is personalizing creation, look what he says creation is doing. It's, it's waiting, but it's not just waiting. It's waiting with eager longing. The creation longing for rescue and deliverance. Think about being stranded at sea, watching for rescue, looking for help. It's, the picture is standing on tiptoes in anticipation, looking, watching. Watching for what? Watching for Jesus' return and the revelation of the sons of God. And we're going to talk more about that next week. The redemption of our bodies shows who. Those who get new bodies in the new creation, all of that. Why is it waiting and why is it standing on its tiptoes? Why is not just there this longing, but this eager longing, this tiptoe longing for this revelation? Well, it's because of the current situation. Look at verse 20. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it in hope. A lot of discussion about who did that. Was it man? Uh, just boil it down for you. It, it was God. Because of Adam's sin. Because of the fall. The creation was subjected to futility. Sin had an effect not just on the people, but on the environment. On the creation. So it went from that very good state. Then you have the fall into sin and to its current situation of being subjected to futility. In other words, if you want to go read, I'm not doing it this morning since we have communion to take too long, but go read Genesis chapter 3, especially verses 17 to 19, and you'll see that in response to sin and rebellion against God, that the creation, you have thorns and things like that showing up. Futility. Now corruption, what does that mean? Decay, decay and death pervade the creation now. There's still much beauty in creation, right? But decay and death pervade the creation. Suffering pervades the creation. And many want to hold that against God. Many, don't we? That's what we do. We want to blame our situation on God. We want to blame our sin on God. Many try to hold, if there's, if there's a God, there wouldn't be so much suffering in the world. There wouldn't be so much evil in the world 
if there's a God? Well, listen, if there's not a God, you can't even begin to, de- to define that statement with authority. But the world, I said this before, this world looks exactly like it should look if there is a holy and a righteous God against whom man has rebelled against and is reaping the result of that. There is a God. It is this way. Because, not because God's the problem, but because sin is the problem. That's the problem. Man thinks he knows better than God. Man wants to find happiness and joy and lasting peace outside of God. Man wants to rebel against God, but yet have God protect and bless him. I'm going to show up to your house and shoot at you from the road, but I still want you to feed me supper. i got a lot of Marines in here. It's not going to work out that way, is it? Nor should it. Sin is the problem, not God. There is much beauty left in the creation which testifies to what it originally was, but decay, curse resulting in decay, sickness, death, disaster. The current world is red in tooth and claw. As Tennyson said, because of sin. It shouldn't be this way. We intuitively know that, don't we? We intuitively know that it shouldn't be this way. But we don't always listen to the one who is and who knows and who tells us why it is this way and that He has sent His Son to deliver us and answer for our problem. Many beautiful places left, but this world is a, is a creation now that's in, subjected to futility, pervaded with corruption. And look at verse 22. Yeah, I know I'm skipping around a little bit. I have to. We know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. The creation is groaning. But it's not the groaning of death. It's the groaning of birth. The picture here of pregnancy and giving birth. The path to giving birth is through pain, isn't it? And that pain causes groaning, doesn't it? But then the pain kind of vanishes away once the baby is born. And you see the purpose of it. We intuitively know that all the pain shouldn't be here. And if we're thinking right, we don't really want pain. Right? And there are many ways to, at least physical pain, to help with that these days. We had a friend... We first, early on in the church, a sister in Christ who decided she wanted to do natural childbirth. No drugs. Nothing to help. She was just going to do it naturally. And so Cindy's like, okay, whatever you want, Mama. We'll we'll do it. We'll be with you. We'll do it. Not me. I'm not going in for that, but... (laughs) See, 
I'm a little old-fashioned when it comes to blood and stuff. But <laughs> she was willing to go with her, willing to help her any way she could. So all the way through this pregnancy, but we're going to do this thing naturally. Until on the way to the hospital, that big contraction hit. And she looked around in the back seat at Cindy and said, I want an epidural. The pain was real. But praise God, it was temporary. And we ended up with a healthy baby. A few scares. We can talk about that later, but a healthy baby. The creation right now is groaning. But look at verse 22. It's groaning in the pains of childbirth. Giving birth to what? Well, let's look quickly at verse 21. Back at verse 21. The future glory of creation. In verse 21. What is, what is this groaning going to produce? What are these labor pains working toward? What, what is the goal? What was the hope? What was the reason that God subjected the creation to futility and had it be in bondage to corruption and decay? Well, look, look at verse, verse 21. The creation itself will be set free. That baby is going to be born. And the creation will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. This is all working towards glorification. Not just of the individual Christian. Not just of the church, the community of individual Christian. But also the creation. And it's not just going back to the way it was in the garden. It's going back to that and more because it will be unchangeable. There'll be no possibility of it being corrupted at that point. See, all of the labor pains now are part of the process of delivering this baby a glorified creation with a glorified church with the glory of God together forever. And why did He leave it this way for a while? So that this creation would be a theater of redemption. So that God's grace in Christ would triumph in the midst of a fallen and broken world. To work out the glory of the Father in the redemption purchased by the Son, empowered by the Holy Spirit and applied by the Spirit. Think of the other side of the coin for a minute. If there had been no fall and no curse, there would be no gospel. There would be no redemption. There would be no revelation of God's grace. No revelation of His mercy. No knowledge of His long-suffering and His kindness to sinners. No experience of God meeting us in our weakness and unworthiness. No glorious experience of being forgiven and loved in Christ as a free gift. No knowledge of a Savior who would come and die for our sins and take the condemnation due us so that we could be set free. Therefore, really no love of Christ. The way that we are to love Him and do love Him. 
There would be no real understanding of justice, holiness, righteousness that we see as mercy and grace come together and meet with justice and holiness at the cross of Christ. See, Christ came. That law we read earlier, that law that we've all broken, He came in order to provide redemption for us. And one of the things that had to happen if we were going to be redeemed is righteousness had to be fulfilled. We needed a righteousness. In order to be with God, we have to be righteous. And we're unrighteous. So He lived under His own law and fulfilled it in thought, word, and deed. Down to the minutest detail. Out of love for the Father and for His people. He fulfilled justice and provided a righteousness. And then He took our guilt upon Himself and died on a cruel cross. Not just enduring the physical suffering, which was horrendous, but it paled in comparison to the spiritual suffering of taking the wrath to do His people, of being the Lamb of God foreshadowed in all of those sacrifices in the Old Testament, being the true Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world by dying for His people. He drank that wrath cup dry before He left the cross, and before He left the cross, He said, It is finished. Justice satisfied. Atonement made. People reconciled to God that were given to me before the foundation of the world. Grace, mercy, kindness, reconciliation through this Savior. And this gospel about this Jesus is going to the ends of this earth and before the throne of God in this new heavens and new earth will be a people from every tribe, tongue, nation, and language. An innumerable host. Singing salvation belongs to our God. Singing worthy is the Lamb who was slain. See, this revelation is coming. The one that we talked about in verse 19, the revelation of the sons of God. And we're going to talk more about that next week. It'll be creation's hope realized. It'll be our hope realized. It'll be hope fulfilled, the one that we wait for with patience now. And it'll be set free, creation will be, from its corruption along with the children of God. Is that talking about you? Are you sitting here this morning thinking you can save yourself or you can explain away God or you, you know that's foolishness? Are you sitting here this morning trying to save yourself? Well, good luck. If you can keep God's law in thought, word, and deed, He will accept you. You've already failed. Are you sitting here this morning just hoping somehow it'll all work out? Or are you sitting here this morning with all of your hope in Jesus? If you're sitting here this morning with all of your hope in Jesus, you're a child of God. And you will be glorified with, with the rest of the children of God in the creation that is going to be set free from its corruption someday. Yes, it groans in childbirth now. But I'm telling you, just like, ladies, aren't you glad? Labor doesn't last forever. And if we had to do it, kids, y'all wouldn't be here. <laughs> Men are not equipped for that. <laughs> A cold will about kill us. This groaning's going to come to an end one day. And this baby's going to be born. 
and there will be glory to God in the highest all over this planet with Christ with us here in the new heavens and the new earth. No more sickness, death, crying, mourning, or pain. It's coming. But see, just knowing it's coming helps us go through those labor pains in a God-glorifying way, doesn't it? Ladies, like, you know that baby's coming. There's hope. That's what you're fighting for in that moment. And boy, when the baby does come, whew, it was all worth it. As Christians, this gospel enables us to go through the labor pains and not just make it, but actually grow through it. Be more like Jesus through it. Be light and salt in the midst of it. Be used by God to have others see how glorious He is. Creation groans in childbirth. Every natural disaster is a labor pain. And glory is closer after every one. Every war is a labor pain. And glory is closer. Every death is a labor pain. Glory is closer. Every symptom of life in this fallen world, it's labor pains and we're being delivered into this glory that is coming. We have hope in the midst of the pain because of the Savior who came and endured it for us and more and assures us of salvation as a free gift because He has paid for it. So see, we know what's going on if we'll listen to God. We don't have to guess about why there's a lot of struggling out here if we'll listen to God. Because He's telling us why it's here. And He's telling us why we're here. To glorify Him and grow through it and to be light and salt for Him in the midst of it. I mean, imagine that you were on a deserted island and, and there was you, your wife, and a doctor. And you've never seen anybody have a baby. You don't even know how that works. The doctor's not telling you. He's over on the other side of the island. He doesn't talk to you. And suddenly your wife starts swelling up and acting weird. And you're like, something is wrong here. And she gets bigger. And bigger and bigger. She can blow up. <laughs> Something is bad, wrong. So you make your way through the jungle to the doctor. And he's not there. So you go back. And then you're with her. And all of a sudden she starts screaming and grabbing your head and telling him, you did this to me. And you run to the doctor and he's there. But before you get to the doctor, if you're just looking on this thing that nobody's explained to you, this looks really horrible, doesn't it? Your wife is swelling up. She's going to blow up. Now she's screaming, hurting like crazy. But the doctor explains to you that this is all how babies are born and comes and helps and delivers that baby. Next time your wife starts swelling up, you'll know what's happening. And you'll deal with it differently. Because you'll know she's pregnant and she's going to have a baby. Just an illustration, maybe it works and maybe it doesn't. But God has explained to us where we live. He has explained to us why we're here. And He's explained to us what He's doing. And the fact that Christ died on that cross and paid for our sin is enough for us to know that He loves us, to know that He's with us, and to know that He's going to see us all the way through. This new creation baby is going to be born. And this is all part of the process. And just as labor doesn't last forever, it hadn't always been this way. 
And it won't always be this way. Someday in God's timing, the glorious freedom of the children of God will be here. Are you ready for this day of glorious birth, of restoration and glorification? See, there's, there will be a time when you won't have more opportunity to be ready. It might be today. You might go out and get in your car and that might be it. It might be 40 years from now. But you're not guaranteed those 40 years. Think seriously about your relationship to God. Think seriously about whether or not you're trusting God, whether or not you see things as He's explained them to it, just in this simple passage. Whether or not you're willing to trust Him in the midst of all this. And whether or not you are banking on Christ being your redemption. It's a free gift to you. If you will have Christ, He is free for you. God even works that turning and trusting in you through the preaching of the gospel. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he was raised the third day according to the scriptures. And he is coming again. Scripture tells us about this time when everything will be renewed. We look forward to this new heavens and the new earth. We look forward to this spiritual gospel kingdom baby being born where we're glorified and the creation's glorified. And we see it promised in this text, but just a couple other places. Peter's, Peter? Peter's other name was Peter. Um, Peter's sermon in, in Acts 3, we've just read through that if you've been reading on the, on the knowledge of the Bible plan. But um, verses 19 to 21, he's preaching to the crowd that have witnessed the healing of the beggar there and are wondering what the heck's going on. And so he's taking that opportunity to preach the gospel to him. And he says, repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, that may, he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus. And yeah, he is talking to Jews there. Whom heaven must receive, watch this, until... The revelation of the sons of God, we're talking about. Until the time for restoration of all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. And we've used this one already, so I'll be quick. But in Revelation 21.1, Therefore I saw a new heavens and a new earth, for the first heavens and the first earth had passed away. And it tells us there he's making all things new and that God himself will wipe every tear from our eyes and that we will dwell with him forever. See, this, this futility, this corruption, it is labor pains that will come to an end. It is groaning as part of a process that is going towards what the creation longs for. That is the revealing of the sons of God. When Christ returns, we get our new bodies and new heavens and new earth. A few points of application. You've already heard them really in the outline. But I want us to think just one second about this. Number one, creation has not always been this way. Everything changed at the fall when Adam and Eve turned their back on God, rebelled against God, went their own way. And yes, they were judged... But the creation was subjected to futility. There was a fall into sin. There was a worldwide flood that changed 
everything. Peter says that in 2 Peter 3 when he talks about the world that present is was shaped through that flood and that, that water and the mountains rose up and the depths went down and uh, there's a lot of explanation Brian can do for you on that. But think about it. If you ignore that, you're going to do really bad science. You're going to have to find another reason to explain why on the top of the Himalayas you find fossils of marine creatures. How'd that get there without a flood? And you look at these layers that were laid down, and if there was no flood, then you've got to come up with another explanation. Well, this must be layers of stuff laid down over millions of years. I'm not sure how to explain this tree that runs through a few million years here. We'll forget about that. God's told us what He's done. He's told us what He's doing. If we'll believe Him and go at it that way, then we'll do really good science and do really good life. But listen, there was a fall. There was a flood. There's a gospel. There's a Christ that's coming again. Listen to me. His resurrection proves all that's true. Christ taught Genesis just like it was history that happened. You know why? Because it was history that happened. And His resurrection proves it's all true and it's about time to get on His side and believe Him, right? Because someday you're going to believe Him. And I don't want it to be the day that's too late. (laughs) Turn and trust in Him today. Yeah, we're all on the way. We're all growing. We all have differences in places. But creation has not always been this way and you best not ignore that fact. Number two, creation will not always be this way. Praise God. It won't always be in labor. Futility, corruption, decay, death, someday set free from all of that. When this redemption is fully applied, when the the, the sons of God are revealed, when, when Christ returns, the time of restoration of all things... Listen to me. Imagine the most, if you're a sunset person, and most people are, imagine the most beautiful sunset you've ever seen. And around here, you can see some pretty awesome sunsets if you can get your husband out of the house to go look at them, right, Cindy? I'm not as much of an outer. But imagine that most beautiful sunset you've ever seen. That's nothing. That's nothing compared to what's coming. That's Zippo. It'll look dirty in comparison to what it will be. Nothing compares. That's why he said in verse 18, the sufferings of this present time aren't worth comparing to the glory. We haven't imagined the glory. It's going to be so much better than we hope. And imagine. Creation will not always be this way. Creation, number three, will participate in the glorious freedom of the children of God. For now, it's a theater of redemption. For now, the gospel is going to the ends of the earth. For now, we have been told, disciple the nations. People coming to faith in Jesus. Hopefully you. We also read in Acts, no other name given among men by which we must be saved, right? The Lord Jesus Christ. The church, God's people, Old Testament and New, for all ages, God's people will be glorified. You. 
and the creation will be glorified. New heavens and new earth. It will be the perfect temple forever and ever. And then, then we will look around and see and remember and believe the sufferings of this present time aren't worth comparing to the glory that's going to be revealed to us. It'll be a big, holy, hallelujah, wow, forever. So imagine reveal day in this big renovation. Reveal day for you, new body. Praise God. Anybody want to enter into my praises on that? New heavens and new earth, all freely given to us because of the sacrifice of our Savior. Utter perfection, therefore utter joy, utter satisfaction forever with our glorious King, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who purchased it all for us, the one who is renovating it and will finish what He has started the one who is using us as instruments in His hand to take His gospel to build His kingdom. He's perfecting you and your new home forever. And it's all by grace. All through His willing self-sacrifice. For God so loved the world. God loved the world in this way that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. To live is Christ. Let's pray. Lord, help us to believe You. To believe Your Word. To stop being the smartest person in the room. To stop thinking we know better than you. To stop stiff-arming you and rebelling against you and resisting you. But to joyfully submit to the one who loves us so much that he would sacrifice himself, that he would take the hell we deserve and drink that cup dry. So encourage those of us who know you that this, this struggle, this suffering, this is just labor pains. And it will come to an end someday. For us, when we pass from this life, our spirits will be set free and be with you. To be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord, with the Lord. And we will await that day of restoration when we'll get our new body. But Lord, there's some even listening to me today that don't know you. Maybe some that think they do that really don't. I want none of us to hear, depart from me, I never knew you. Help us to look to you. Help us to to look to you and say, search me and try me. See if there be wicked ways in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. Work faith in us, Lord, through your word. Encourage us and grow us in the faith, those of us who know you. Challenge and convict those who don't. Thank you. Lord Jesus, that you, re- you reject none who come to you in faith. Work in us to come to you in faith, to dwell with you in faith, and to hope in you 
in faith for this glorious revealed day when we will be with you forever. Thank you that you finished the good work that you began in our lives as well as in your creation. We praise you and thank you. Help us to trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.